Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. Today is a Monday, so that means that you have the opportunity to set God's Word as a priority this week, or to let the week dictate your priorities. See, either you will own the week by letting Scripture own you, or you will let your week own you, and then of course you will be weak, and you will have very little Scripture in your week. So let's get into our text today, because I hope that you're going to choose to let Scripture own you. And I trust that if you're listening to this here on Monday morning, you're probably going to let Scripture own you this week. So let's get into it here. Proverbs chapter 27, starting in verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, but the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight. By hearty counsel, do not forsake your own, your own friends or your father's friend, nor give your brother's house, go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. My son, be wise and make my heart glad, that I may answer him who reproaches me. A prudent man foresees evil and he hides himself. The simple pass by and are punished. Take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in a pledge when he is surety for a seductress. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it will be counted as a curse to him. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit. So he who waits on his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of a man are never satisfied. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. And a man is valued by what others say of him. Though you grind a fool in mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet foolishness will not depart from him. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown uh, endure to all generations. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herb of the mountain are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for your food of your household and for the nourishment of your maidservants. Wow, there is a lot in this chapter, but we're going to start off right there in the beginning in verse one. And it said this here in in verse one, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Simply put, you're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. And, and this is something that is incredibly important to realize and incredibly important uh, to understand. In fact, what, when it came to the founding of our nation in America, the first, the first um, curriculum that we used was called the the New England Primer. It was it was like the 
the, the biggest curriculum for a couple hundred years um, and o- almost 200 years around that, that, that kind of time frame there. Um, I guess it's about 150 years now I'm thinking about it. Uh, it's is about through the 1930s, but, uh, but, but I think it started actually, uh, it doesn't matter how long it was. It, it's, it, it was for a while there at the beginning of our nation and they go and they teach the ABCs. And, you know, we think about teaching the ABCs today. It's like A, alligator, B, ball, C, cat, D, dog. You know, that, that's the kind of way that we learn the ABCs. But they learned it a little bit different. So their A was A, in Adam's sin, uh, or in Adam's fall, we sin to all. And then it, it continues on through different phrases like that that end up being biblical and in uh, very much little catches of wisdom, little Proverbs. Uh, but some of these little things of Proverbs that they would go and say, these little Proverbs that they'd go and teach the ABCs with are like, as runs the glass, man's life doth pass. King Xerxes did die, and so must you and I. Youth forward slips, death soonest nips. I mean, it's it's things like that, that they're going and teaching the ABCs with to our children. And it's, it's four or five, maybe six letters that it goes and it reinforces this idea that death is imminent. Death is imminent. And they're teaching this, of course, to, to, to grade school and even younger, because a lot of times kids learn how to read uh, much younger. I believe it's John uh, Trumbull, uh, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, who read through the Bible at the age of four. I mean, that's, that's the kind of uh, thing that, that, that we, we see back then. And they understood the importance of realizing that, is li- that life is just a vapor and that we are not promised tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. This was a lesson that I learned um, fairly early in life as well, but not through ABCs, but through seeing death around me. Um, many of you probably heard my testimony, and so I'm just going to give a, a brief overview of it. But when I was uh, seven years old, we were on our way to church, and it was uh, my mom driving. My dad was already at church at that point in time. He had a meeting they had to be to, but it was my mom uh, and then I had a couple cousins or three cousins that were uh, with me in the car. And one of them was my best friend who, uh, her name was Caitlin and she was seven years old as well. Uh, and she ended up, we ended up getting into a car accident on our way to church that, that morning. And she ended up getting thrown through the windshield and died. And, um, she was same age as me. We were best friends, lived just a few blocks away, knew her really well. And, um, of course, being a witness to that event is what got me thinking about what would happen if that were me sitting in that seat right next to me. And of course, I knew the answer was that if I died, I would go to hell because I had not believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Praise the Lord that Caitlin had accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior a few days before, but that's what led me to the Lord. And there there were other things when I was three years old. The doctors came and told my parents that your son probably isn't going to make it got to do this exploratory surgery, all kinds of things. So, so, so death and this idea of life being a vapor ha- has been real to me for basically as long as I can remember. And it is an incredible lesson to learn, but it's one that we need to learn. And I hope you don't learn it the way that I learned it, right? I, I hope that you learn this the way that the founding fathers, now, of course, there, there was death around them as well, but the way that they intended to teach their children this truth, and that was through the ABCs, right? Going and in, in learning it by listening to the truth and grasping the truth that you're not promised tomorrow. And why is this important uh, that you're not promised tomorrow or that we shouldn't boast about tomorrow? 
because you don't know what the day may bring forth. Well, it means that you need to live your life with urgency. So many people don't live their life with urgency. They live just as, as passive as just this idea of I'm going to serve Jesus, you know, sometime in the future. Or maybe they don't even plan to serve Jesus. Maybe they haven't even gotten that far into thinking ahead as to what they're going to do, what their intentions are with their life. But but it's one thing to not have intentions. It's another thing to have intentions but not yet act upon them, leave those intentions in the future. And it's another thing to bring those intentions into the present and to accomplish what God has for you in your life. That's an intentional life. That's a life with urgency. See, it is foolish to live like tomorrow is guaranteed because it's not. True wisdom lives with the understanding that there are no promises of tomorrow, so you are living each day with eternity's values in view. You're saying, I'm living today like it's my last on this earth. I'm living today for the values of eternity. I want to live today to please God, not just intend to please God tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow, so live with urgency in your life. The second thing that I want us to see today is to not toot your own horn. In verse number two, it says this, Let another man praise you, and not your uh, your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. You know, simply put, no one likes it when someone praises themselves. No one likes it when somebody goes around tooting their own horn, right? Nobody likes that. Absolutely nobody likes that, and it doesn't end up working well for you. You don't end up getting uh, respected. It doesn't give you a leg up or anything like that when you're going around tooting your own horn. Um, the reality of it is is that what ends up happening is, is that people don't want to be around you. They don't want to see you succeed. They, they, they get annoyed with you when you're going around just tooting your own horn. So be wise, and instead of tooting your own horn, look for God's approval care about what God says about you, because the reality of it is, is that when you're tooting your own horn, what are you doing? You're going and saying, you know, other people haven't praised me as much as I think I should be praised. So therefore, I'm going to fill that gap and see if I can convince them to praise me because I want to hear their praise. You're valuing others' opinions more than you should. What you need to do is to value God's opinion and just listen to his voice because he always gives the right judgment. He always gives the proper amount of praise. So remember that in your life. If you don't hear praise from God, if you're going and looking and you're reading God's word and you're, 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 you're comparing your life to it and you're saying, man, the Bible's not praising me. Well, it's because you need to change your life. It's not because the Bible needs to change. The last thing I want us to see here this morning is found in verse 3, or excuse me, not found in verse 3, but it's the third thing that we're looking at, and it's found all throughout this chapter. And this is uh, find real friends, but there's an awful lot that is talked about about friendship in this. So if you really want to do a study on friendship and to understand what it means to have good friends, what it means to be a good friend, this is a good chapter to start with. This is a good chapter to start with. But I want to point out two quick principles. One is in verse 6, and the other one is in verse 17, and they really do go together. And it says this in verse 6, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 17. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, 
but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now verse 17, it says this, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Now there's something you need to understand. Even if the wound is from a friend, wounds still hurt. Wounds still hurt. Okay. This verse isn't denying that reality. In fact, I believe it's reinforcing that reality. But the truth from your friend is better than the flattery of an enemy. Because the reality of it is, is that a kiss from an enemy is a kiss of poison and a wound from a friend is a is like cleaning out a wound. It's, it's that idea of it might hurt and it might hurt like crazy, but it's ultimately for your benefit and it's for your good. You know, I remember... Uh, a couple of years ago when my oldest son, Thomas, he slipped and he fell, he tripped on something. It's a daily occurrence in our house. But, but this time in particular on his way down, he found his chin anyway, found uh, a, a, the, the seat of a chair, right? And it smacked on that and it split his chin open and he was bleeding pretty good from it. And we had to go in to take him into the uh, emergency room or urgent care and go and he had to get stitches. Now, he was about two years old at this point in time. So this was not, it's not an easy thing for anybody to have to go and get stitches, but this was particularly not easy for a two-year-old. And of course we had to go and do was uh, wrap him up uh, in a blanket, kind of like a, a little toddler straight jacket basically is what it ended up being uh, as they rolled him up like a burrito. And, and then I, I went and I, uh, you know, held him down while they were going and stitching this and don't worry they they put some numbing stuff and whatnot on his chin, but it's a pretty scary ordeal for a two-year-old. And, and he wouldn't have realized that these doctors were going in helping him out because it was going to heal, help his chin to heal and to heal so it's not going to get infected and to heal properly so there's not a big scar there and things of that nature. He didn't quite understand that because it wasn't comfortable, it was scary, and it wasn't fun. In fact, the next uh, about year that we went to the doctor, every time we took him to the doctor, he would freak out as soon as he would see uh, the table because he remembered, oh my goodness, what they did when, uh, when he split his chin open, right? It was one of those things. He didn't understand this concept. He didn't understand the concept that was here, that these were faithful wounds of a friend. It was somebody who was trying to help him. It wasn't the kiss of an enemy. He would have much rather preferred the kiss of an, e an enemy in that moment, but ultimately what was best for him was to get that wound, that that sticking of a needle uh, to go into, to, to, to close up and to stitch together that uh, gaping wound to make it better, right? And, and so what is the take home? What is the takeaway from these two verse or from this verse? The, ver the takeaway is you need to find a friend who's willing to tell you the truth, even if that means it's difficult and it hurts. And that goes right along with as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So you need to find friends that sharpen you. And this means that they are going to be driving you closer to God. They're going to be driving you closer to God. They're going to encourage you to run harder after God. And that might be through encouraging you saying, hey, good job. Keep going. Keep going towards God and, and being real positive and encouraging. But sometimes it's also that they're, uh, they get behind you and as a running partner would get behind you and he's got spikes, he's going to go and to try to spur you on or to spike you in the back of the shin or in the back of the calf so that you can go and run faster, we'll know, hey, it's time to get going, get on your horse and go, right? That's the whole idea is to go closer to God. A good friend, a good running partner would go in to do that. 
This means sometimes that your friends will rub you the wrong way to get sin in the flesh out of your life. As iron sharpens iron, what happens? It goes and it hits against one another and it reshapes one another and it goes and it tears away or grinds away parts of that iron to go and to sharpen it so that it is the design that it needs to be. And that's what a friend goes and it does. So they might come up and rub you, quote unquote, the wrong way. But ultimately, they're rubbing you in that way so that you go towards God, so that you become a sharper person. That's the idea there. Find friends who will do that, who will do difficult things with you, who will tell you difficult things when you need to hear them, and will encourage you to run towards Christ no matter the cost. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome.